I was like, oh, okay, fight, fight. And welcome to Rhythm Encounter. This is episode one of our Music of the Year 2016 extravaganza. Uh, as our listeners are probably well aware, we have several episodes of awesome 2016 music to share with you. Three, in fact, and this is our very first one. So let's uh, let the the awesome music fest begin. I'm your host, Caitlin Argeros. Link is our on the boards. Joining me for our first episode are Peter Treisenberg. Hi, Peter Treisenberg. I have Fury on the boards, and I'm really happy to be here. This was so fun. <laughs> and Robert Fenner. Hello, longtime listener, first-time guest. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. And thank both of you guys for joining us. Um, it's one of the best things about Music of the Year is uh, getting to hang out with friends, both on the site and off the site, and sharing in our love of awesome music from the year. So let's get right into it with our first block. Peter, you have our first pick. Yep, um, my, and my first pick is Give Me um, from Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp Fire Emblem. That's a sharp, not a hashtag. Everyone yes. get it right. Very important. It's about music, people. And, and in a game about music, you would expect it to have a really good soundtrack, and this is one of my favorite tracks from the game. So hope you enjoy. And then, Robert, you have the next pick. Okay, uh, well, my first pick is um, the track Epiphany Fields uh, from Oxenfree, a uh, spooky little cosmic horror adventure with a spooky little soundtrack. Uh, I have picked uh, what I think is probably the most upbeat piece from the soundtrack. Um, It's got this, you know, it's got this smooth kind of spooky synth, but with um, a sort of happier happier, uh, key to it, and it's got this... Um, ascending arpeggio that reminds me of October Love Song by Chris and Cozy, which is one of my favorite songs. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, let's listen to Give Me from Tokyo Mirage Sessions and Epiphany Fields from Oxenfree.
Um, so Tokyo Mirage Sessions um, is really heavily mired in the Japanese pop music business. Um, its characters are all like aspiring musicians, or they have um, they have like some sort of they're or they're already um, members of the industry. They all have aspirations and goals and um, something they want to get out of the business. And one of the, and one of the neat things about about this is that throughout the game, whenever a character will write a new song or um, make a big new step in their career, it'll usually be accompanied by a little anime cutscene um, where they're showing them in concert playing the song. Um, usually and usually these moments act as kind of a, a little punctuating moments to a character arc that they've been going through. Um, what I like about Give Me in particular is that um, it's it's where Subasa and Kiria are performed together. Um, Subasa is the main heroine heroine who's kind of an up and she's she's breaking into the business um, and she really looks up to Kiria who's this like big star. So them kind of being on equal footing, and the song is about what they can learn from each other. I, I just really like that. Like it, it works from their characters. Um, it's kind of cute seeing them like play off each other, and um, uh, this is also one of my favorite special attacks in the game because um, yes. the best part about these songs too is that they also play whenever a character gets their little. Uh, I think they're called duo arts. And so you'll you'll be hearing a lot of these songs quite often whenever a character gets one of their special attacks, and they're super flashy, anime nonsense, and it's awesome. And yeah, what did you guys think? <laughs> I'm so happy you picked this because this is this and reincarnation are my favorite of the uh, the vocal tracks from Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and this is just this track is so much fun. It's it's undeniably catchy, and even if you don't know. Uh, a single word in Japanese. The lyrics are a lot of fun. Uh, it's especially because of how they they handle the duet between Kiria and Tsubasa. They're sort of trading off different parts of the song. So one of them will have the verse, and then the other will have the bridge, and then they'll they swap even um, even in the the refrain when they're singing the chorus. They'll they're kind of trading off and then singing together, and that was it's just a whole lot of fun. Um, and, and I love the. Uh, the shortened version um, that they show in the game when they're actually in concert. That's uh, just a, a really cute, fun uh, duet for them to have. And I mean, exactly what you were saying. It's it's nice to have this duet in particular because Kiria is something of a mentor to Subasa, who, like you said, breaks into the industry. She starts off really unsure of herself, but she, she gets she finds her footing and she she finds her voice and it's this is nice to have this be sort of a, an achievement of hers to have her working with her mentor and 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 pulling yeah. off this kind of a song together and oh man i love the uh i wish they weren't super random it'd be nice if i could trigger this whenever i wanted to in battle mm-hmm. um because yeah i think there, the the duo arts always, you know, it's a little chunk of the song where they're they're singing in the background and pulling off a flashy attack. And this one is actually kind of, a, it's a nice long stretch. It's like the entirety of the refrain, I think. And that was kind of the best part of the song. So I'm super happy about that. But it's just good stuff. I I know J-pop isn't always everyone's cup of tea, and some people may get turned off by it. But this is some really good 
music. They Atlas, you know, kind of pulled all the stops by having Avex come in and actually do all the music, and you get some catchy stuff like this. So I would not say no to more if they were I, so inclined. I wouldn't either. I, I wasn't expecting to like like it nearly as much as I did, um, but it, it tur- yeah, it turned out really well. Robert, what do you think? Well, I think I'm the odd one out in the room, and I'll just say quickly that I'm not a big fan of what Avex does. Uh, That said, I think this is one of the stronger songs on the soundtrack. Um, It's, you know, as you... You guys said it really well. It's it's a very cute uh, and fun moment when when this song plays, and it's, you know, it's very upbeat and poppy and well put together. Um, and I, I've got a soft spot for Kyria. She's like this this ice queen with the heart of gold. So any any musical numbers with her in it, um, I uh, was uh, pretty happy with. I gotta say. Well, they're they're like at the end they're dancing on top of like the the giant. Uh, I forget what his name is, but the the character that Kyria has a plush of that she loves so very oh, much. Yeah, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, so I, thought that, I thought that was characters. adorable. It mm. kind of brings both their character arcs to a close. Yeah, because mm-hmm. because like um, Subasa goes from like I can't even be in the same room as Kyria <laughs> to with we're on stage together, and Kyria kind of opens up and has the kind of a lets herself be a mentor figure. Yeah. Yes, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's very sweet. So uh, let's move on and talk about your pick, Robert. Um, this is very, I don't know, uh, I, I wasn't expecting this uh, off top, you know, just from, I haven't played Oxenfree, but, you know, looking at um, looking at images of the, of the game and whatnot, um, I wasn't quite expecting something so very heavily electronica uh, sure. and kind of almost psychedelic a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Um Epiphany Fields really is kind of the odd one out of this soundtrack. Uh, It's by this artist called Scientific, but without any of the vowels. So (laughs) imagine that, if you will, um, when you're going to search for him. But, like, most of the soundtrack is this very... They're kind of like more experimental soundscapes than they are... um, Than you would consider them to be uh, songs or pieces of music. But uh, when you... When when Oxenfree opens and uh, Alex and her teen friends have arrived on uh, Edwards Island to have their end of year party, uh, Epiphany Fields is the track that plays when they're getting off the boat. And before anything spooky happens, they're all just you know they're gonna have a fun time. And it's got this it's got this otherworldly um, weirdness about it, but it's undeniably a it's got sort of it's in kind of a happier key you know mm-hmm. um but i really like this piece so much it, it really it reminded me a great deal of um some 80s experimental synth artists that i have a lot of fondness for um and it was you know it was quite surprising to hear that type of music in uh a um in an indie game uh of of 2016 so um it was a real treat to my ears. <laughs> I'm glad you gave me the the context for it, Robert, because I was one of my, one of the things I was going to say. It reminded me of was that it was like the beginning of a horror movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, exactly what but it in is. the sense, yeah, but in the in the sense, you say like they're getting off the boat, they're going to have a good time. Hmm. Uh, this song sounds like kind of that like 
kind of synthetic, upbeat, peppy music that you'd find at the beginning of an indie film. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Like, almost kind of like the soundtrack to Scott Pilgrim, honestly. That was the first thing that came to mind. Or, um, um, like, Disaster Pieces soundtrack for It Follows, if you've seen that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good comparison, yeah. yeah. So, like... And yeah, it's so like knowing, knowing what comes later sort of colors like this is the impression of the song, but it mm. does kind of have that kind of creepy synth buildup and then suddenly turns into this kind of like Lincoln, Lincoln Park um, going through their EDM phase <laughs> beat <laughs> um, that I, I really enjoyed. I was like, I was like nodding my head and like dancing, like dancing along to it, if, if, if you will. Cool. So I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I I really found the layering of the the different synths to be a really cool experience. There's just a lot of fullness to having all these different sounds coming at you at once, and mm. it's an it's a neat effect that they they pull off with. Uh, you know, you've got reverb with the um, with the vocal synth, there's that sort of pulsing bass and other synths that come in and out. It's just a really interesting piece. And it's not the kind of piece that music that I would you know, necessarily be listening to on my own, which is another reason why I love doing this show, is getting introduced to music I wouldn't necessarily have found on my own. So thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, let's, uh, let's keep that going and see if we can find some more cool new music to listen to in our second block. Uh, Robert, you've got the first pick. Okay. Um, my pick uh, this block is the song uh, Furuya by uh, Masafumi Takada from uh, the remaster of The Silver Case. And then, Peter, what is your pick for the block? Uh, my pick for this block is Forever Flame by Miracle of Sound, which is a uh, rock tribute to Dark Souls 3. All right, well, let's rock out to Furuya from The Silver Case and Forever Flame by Miracle of Sound, a tribute to Dark Souls 3.
Robert, I, I need you to tell me a little bit about this piece. I it reminded me of some things that I'll 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 talk about just in just a little bit um, from other games, and I'm wondering how kind of accurate my sense was uh, about where this plays or what the context is for this track based on just listening to it. So, tell us about Furuya. It's definitely a striking piece, and I look forward to uh, hearing uh, what it reminded you of. Uh, to give some context, um, each each case in the silver case, you know, like each chapter is like a case of the week where you're uh, looking into a different um, heinous crime that's happened. And one of these chapters centers around the character Furuya, who he's how how would I describe him? Um, he's kind of like he's kind of like a 4chan troll, uh, and hmm. he. 
he, he he spends all night on these chat rooms just like threatening people and calling them idiots and getting into fights and uh, each sequence with him is preceded with uh, his mother going off to her night shift and saying oh there's some food here for you so be sure to eat and him just you know spending time fighting with people online uh, and so this this piece is is punctuated and uh, uses this sort of ticking clock as the as the percussion. So, like him just whiling away the hours, having this, uh, doing these toxic actions online, and it's this very foreboding piece. I think, uh, I think it sums up his character and his actions very well. That is so totally not the image I had in my head. <laughs> Tell me your um, take. Well, my take was that it uh, the style and the sense reminded me. Uh, a little bit of Parasite Eve. Um, they're kind of a little grungy, gr- grungy. Sorry. Yeah. And for some reason, I was thinking this sounds like it could be like precinct music because I know that you, the character, the, the main character, is you know he's part of a, a crime unit. And I was like, okay, this could be like he's at he's at the precinct, he's at his desk or whatever. It just kind of reminded me a little <laughs> bit of that. Somebody's but that is at a desk. <laughs> This is that is not at all what I would have expected, but you, now knowing the context, the um, the repetitiveness of it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I wrote down it's kind of repetitive, but knowing now where it plays, that makes total sense, and it, that actually kind of works really well. I'm glad you thought so. I I actually thought about including the precinct music, which is a much um, it's a much seedier and sleazier piece, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's on my that's on my list, which will be up uh, at some point on the site. Yes, our our music of the year written feature, which mm-hmm. you can check out as you're listening. I believe we should probably, oh, right. yeah. Peter, what's uh, what's your take on this? So whenever I hear a ticking clock motif, um, the first thing that comes to mind immediately is kind of your. Your, your stereotypical Hollywood, um, you know, third act scenario where like, you know, we're running against the clock or the bomb's going to go off any second now and the camera keeps cutting back to a digital timer. And even though that's, uh, even though I'm pretty sure explosives don't actually work that way, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, with with this song, now that you've given me the context for the how it's like hours being whittled away, and that this guy is kind of an internet troll. Um, I, I think that lends some interesting context because my first my thought was that uh, it sounds like um, something disastrous is like seconds away from happening, and it's hmm. like cacophonous. Like this is just like this is like brief, repeated instances of chaos. The way the music is just kind of structured. Um, for how brief it is, there's a lot going on, and so and now I'm putting it into the context of okay, so this is someone who's just who's like getting into fights and arguments, and might knowing that this is a Suda Fifty One game might snap and do something horrible. Um, You're right on there. Yeah. <laughs> this so, it, yeah, I, I think it definitely fits, and it's it's an intrigue it's an intriguing piece. I like how, um, I like character character motifs that um, can kind of be used to neatly sum up. Uh, the character in question so g- good show <laughs> <laughs> cool I'm, I'm glad it had that effect 
Uh, well, I don't have a good segue, but um, I don't know that we need a good segue to talk about this awesome rock song that you picked, Peter. Yeah, um, I've picked uh, Miracle Sound stuff before on the show, so I won't like spend too much time introducing the guy, but he's from Ireland, used to work for The Escapist, does these really cool tributes to popular games. Um, and he, he released two Dark Souls songs this year. Um, uh, this one, Forever Flame, and one called uh, Fire's Fade, which is a lot more symphonic and has um, a female um, co-singer. But um, both excellent songs. I kind of I kind of lean more towards this one because it just kind of sounds like the stuff I listen to normally. Um, it's kind of slower, more um, more de- more downbeat, but it's got it's just got a really I I, I, lo- I love I like the lyrics. I think it's a really it, like he's got a, such a great sense of like just making like a power a kind of power metal type type music, hmm. and that really fits. Uh, Dark Souls is this aesthetic, like, because Dark Souls doesn't have a lot of me- like it has battle music, and it has like your your super ambient soulful title music, and all that stuff. But if you, I, I feel like if you took Dark Souls aesthetically, um, you could easily make a rock album out of it. So I, I just find this to be weirdly suitable. Yeah, I would agree. It's, yeah, probably one of my favorite favorite tracks that I've. That I've listen to all year i was trying with all the great game soundtracks that were coming out in the latter span of the year i kept trying to keep this one in my in my memory like no no i have to bring this up at music of the year (laughs) (laughs) has to get on there (laughs) don't forget peter have you ever Uh, listened to oliver to what uh a group called oliver i have not no they're a they're a norwegian sort of experimental metal group they um uh, I think one of their best albums. They did this. Um, they did like this. This like sort of black metal opera of um, William Blake's "The Marriage of Heaven and Hell," and um, this "Forever Flame" piece in particular reminds me a lot of that album. So I thought, oh, nice. But yeah, I love to check that out. That. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, this kind of um, this kind of style isn't really my thing. We've we've discussed my music taste before, I think. <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm always, whenever I hear Miracle Sound, I'm always impressed by how many, how many different kinds of sounds they are miraculously able, he's miraculously able to, to pay tribute with, uh, with the music, um, in different, I mean, we've got Dark Souls, uh, last year, I think, uh, you picked a, a piece for, for Witcher 3. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just, and he's done stuff, obviously, for, stuff like Mass Effect, all these different kind of styles, and they're all both original compositions, but they also really fit the uh, the soundscape and the the imagery of the games that they come from. And this one is no different. It's definitely, you know, that's it's a gothic rock song. It's got a dark feel to it, both the both the pounding music and but also uh, the lyrics. Uh, which are, I mean, I had I, I opened this up on YouTube so I could find the lyrics because I really wanted to listen to the lyricism. Another thing that Miracle Sound is really good at is writing really good, fitting lyrics for whatever piece that uh, they're doing or he's doing. Um, I think something that's interesting to me is the the accompaniment is definitely hard 
rocking, but the vocals don't go into that sort of heavy rock or punk uh, territory that you might expect. Like he's not he's not screaming or scratching right. his voice. He's not Arr, Arr. It's <laughs> it's still kind of soft and smooth, but still powerful and impactful. And that's a nice kind of juxtaposition. And there's this really cool thing that seems to be going on where you can hear his voice, but then there's also an octave below uh, if it's, I'm assuming it's just him singing um, singing below, or maybe there's uh, some sort of uh, a, a computer effect going to there. Yeah, I, think, I think he probably has. Um, he did. He released like a, a series of videos, like make, how he makes his uh, songs, which are is definitely worth checking out if you if anyone wants to visit his channel. But um, I, he puts like multiple layers of he'll, mm -hmm. he'll he'll record multiple layers of his own voice and multiple layers of music and just and put it on there. I think one of his songs had like sixty different like levels to it. Like, wow, it's a lot of audio mixing going on in here. Um, dedication. That yeah. is dedication, yeah. And for for stuff like this, that is a fan tribute to all of these different games. That's <sighs> I'm beside myself. All I do is, is run a, a little podcast. <laughs> but um, it's a podcast which has some good music on it. And uh, every once in a while we get to feature uh, artists like Miracle of Sound. They're doing some awesome work paying tribute to and loving on some of our favorite video games. So we're, we're going to keep going with our third and final block. Uh, Robert, you once again have our first pick. Oh, well, thank you. Um, my first pick is Simple Gratitude from I Am Setsuna. The piano album that everyone loves to hear. So and yes. <laughs> and then, Peter, you get the honor of the final pick. And I, I did intentionally make this one last because it's good. It's, what is it? It's, it's good. It's also really long, but worth it. Um. <laughs> My, the final tr the final track for, uh, that I picked is Hellfire from Final Fantasy 15. I can't wait to talk about this one. So, so let's good. let's listen to Simple Gratitude from I Am Setsuna and Hellfire from Final Fantasy 15.
simple gratitude. It's simply lovely. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been waiting to use that. Um, I am Setsuna has bar none one of the best soundtracks that I've heard this year, and possibly one of my favorite JRPG soundtracks. Um, composer Tomoki Miyoshi, he's he's obviously taken some inspiration from the work that Masashi Hamauzu was doing on uh, the Saga series. Um, his, in particular, his work on Saga Frontier 2 and Unlimited Saga were both piano-driven, but, you know, had other instruments to, uh, to, complement, to complement it. Whereas Miyoshi's soundtrack for Setsuna just strips everything back to the bare minimum. One instrument, just the piano strings, nothing else. And it really... It's a perfect complement to that game's um, snowy, um, melancholy feel. Um, it even feels like a, maybe a little Eric Satie in places. Um, but I think uh, Simple Gratitude is definitely my favorite track off of that album. Um, it's just got this, this, you know, this lazy kind of swaying back and forth kind of feel to it uh, when you're in this uh, snowy town after, after nightfall. Um, it's the perfect piece of music for that feel, I, in my opinion. No, I I agree. I I I wrote down that this would be the perfect accompaniment for like a, a gentle winter snow shower. You know, mm. like um, you're just looking out the window and it's it's snowing gently outside. This would be good music to listen to. It kind of really does give off that feel. And it, I also it's a it's a simple. But beautiful melody, so simple gratitude is an appropriate name for it. But it's such a it's such a pretty melody, but still kind of somber and the starkness of having just the piano kind of creates uh that sort of somber tone along with like like you mentioned, it's kind of uh drifting back and forth the uh, so it's not a waltz per se, but it is in three, four time, so it sort mm. of has that sort of Bah, 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 feel to it, which is uh, lazy is not the right word for it, but it sort of has that feel of just relaxed and going with it instead of hurrying or, hmm. or rushing. So, isn't Miyoshi I... like twenty three? I'm so jealous. <laughs> what an achievement! I want to hear more from I... him. I really hope that whole company gets to make gets another shot. Like, oh, definitely. Setsuna had so many good ideas, and I and the end result, like, it's not perfect, but it it's still like it's an admirable attempt, and I really want them to try again. It had so many ideas that weren't its own, but I think its heart but, was in the right place. Yeah, and if there's one area where it does come together, it's in the audiovisual um, cohesion of it all. Yes, um, and and I'm with you that this is a per- perfect compliment. Um, the only the only gripe I have with it, and this is, and I have the same problem with the game's uh, level design. Um, this go, they, the two kind of are inseparable to me, because they kind of get a little samey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love the fact that they committed to the ice and snow motif, and I love the fact that they committed to the the piano, the all piano score. At the same time, it kind of blends together for me, like. It, I, I would be hard pressed to p- pick out 
an individual song from Satsuna's soundtrack. It's more kind of a general, this is nice. (laughs) That's my reaction to it. (laughs) I get it. I'm very happy with the soundtrack. I think it was a very daring move to uh, be as minimal as it was. And it sounds much more like, you know, an arranged album that you would get rather than the actual backing music. So... But I, I can yeah, see gets... how there may not be enough variety there. I definitely feel the same as you with the limited number of environments and dungeons that that game had. But um, each time there was a new piece of music, I was personally quite excited to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll have to, I'll have to, I haven't really listened to much of Setsuna's music on its own since I finished the game. So perhaps I'll have to I'll have to give it another try one of these days. It'd be interesting to see to compare reactions from people who played experienced the music first through playing the game and so getting both the the piano music but then also the you know the kind of sameness of the landscape of ice and snow getting that sort of double whammy versus someone who has just listened to the music and then goes to play the game or doesn't play the game at all and sees you know to see if that's a different kind of reaction hmm. maybe I don't know. I'm always, it's always interesting to me to think about how we, how we listen to music and how the way in which we listen to music can sometimes change uh, our opinions on that music. Uh, Sometimes, yeah, yeah, like sometimes, I mean, your first impression, you, 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 you're listening to a piece without context and then you get that context and it changes how you perceive that piece. Now, I know for me personally, there have been plenty of times where I've listened to a soundtrack without having played the game first, and I don't like it very much, and then I play the game, and it grows on me. But I I wonder if that could also work the other way. Like, you play a game, and you you listen to the music, and you, you either like it or maybe you don't like it, but then you listen to it just on its own without the game, and that could be a whole new experience as well. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why I'm coming up with this idea, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like maybe more so than some other games, um, even other music that we've featured on just this very episode, that I Am Fitsuna could be an interesting experiment in that avenue just because of the uh, the design decisions for both the the visual appearance of the game, but then the music as well, which is fairly distinct uh, for good or for better or for worse from a lot of other RPGs. I think it stands alone rather well. Um, and yeah, you know, your opinion may change uh, when it's separated from um, the monotony of seeing the same environments um, and just, you know, taken taken on its own. It may, I, in fact, it may definitely uh, take on a whole different context. I think that's a very interesting idea, Caitlin. Hmm. We should do a study or something. Hmm. Because I haven't played the game, so I should listen to the music by itself and then see how I feel about it. <laughs> I Although smell I... an editorial. Yes. Synesthesia. Mm. Uh, well, um, I don't know how to segue again uh, to this next track. In, in that, it, it, I guess the segue would be that this was also a very much an audio-visual experience with this track in-game. It's It stands on its own really well, but... Part of it was the the act of um, fighting this boss, who it should be fairly obvious who we're talking about based on the track title. But 
before we go into it, it should be said this involves one of the last bosses in Final Fantasy XV. So if you are at all spoiler conscious, we're not going to be obviously discussing the details of the plot or whatnot like that. But if you're at all not wanting to hear about details of the the end game of fifteen, please skip ahead a few minutes um, while we talk about Hellfire. So spoilers, Peter. It's Satan. <laughs> Sorry, There's, that's a more it accurate is, right? Um, so man, do I have a lot to say about this song? Um, go for it. Uh, okay, so Ifri is my favorite summon in the Final Fantasy series. Um, always has been. Uh, I just there's something about just the giant summoning the giant fire demon from hell that appeals to me inherently. Like the, the I don't know the the, the me that uh, borrowed the Satan the the Satanist Bible from uh from his library as a kid. I don't know. It's it's just stuck there in my subconscious. But um. But the fact that Ifrit plays even a, a nominally important role in 15's uh, universe is enough for me to get excited. Um, and I wish that that role was um, explained a bit better um, in-game, because um, the only real context that's given for him, uh, other than he's one of the Astrals, the, known as the Infernian, um, is, is there's a bit of flavor text in the strategy guide, and there, the um, the Ultimania guides just came out in Japan. So there's a little bit more that talk about an ancient civilization called Solheim, and if it was of the six astrals, he betrayed them, um, started a war that destroyed the nation of Solheim, and and created this the the, the Star Scourge, like. All of, none of this is mentioned in game, but it's super interesting, and it gives him like Robert. You mentioned Satan. It's literally uh, Paradise Lost, like almost mm. to a T, if it's role in the story. And the fact that he's depicted it with as being more humanoid, he kind of has this fall from grace vibe going on, and it's something I, I really love aesthetically, and I really wish. And kind of hope that they will expand upon Ifrit's role in the story, because it, it deserves it. It's such an interesting concept. From um, what you've said about the backstory they've added, it actually this version of Ifrit actually sounds a lot like Sirt, the devil giant in Norse mythology. That could that could be apt too, given especially given the um, the kind of the Norse um, the Nordic oh, Niflheim, uh, of course, Niflheim, Solheim, yeah, like. That that actually might fit in really well with with that mythology could be a, another influence. Um, as for the song itself, um, it reminds I mentioned this before the show. Um, it reminds me a lot of Howard Shore's uh, contributions to Lord of the Rings, um, especially um, the Bridge of Casa Doom and Foundations of Stone. Um, the tracks when they're making their way through Moria and uh, Gandalf fights the uh, the Balrog. Um, again, appropriate giant fire demon. <laughs> but but the tracks are even to me. I, I'm listening to this and they're structured similarly. Um, the there is a undercurrent of male vocals, kind of repeatedly chanting, um, mixed in with these like soaring strings and sudden intense bursts of sound. That just underscore how the the dra- drama, the situation, kind of um, k- kind of almost like some, some like like some kind of prayer to a dark god, 
Um, and it, and but I especially love too is in the second half of the song, um, Shimamura's complete mastery of character motifs comes to play, and um, it suddenly starts into a remix of Apocalypsis Noctis, um, the the track that plays during um, the other astral fights. So it it so it creates a thematic connection between Ifrit and his brethren, um, which is also appropriate given um, uh, something interesting that happens during the end of the fight that I'm not going to get into because it might constitute a spoiler. Um, yeah, although I I dearly want to talk about that because that, because that was such a cool part. But um, I do too. I do too. Know. I want more. I want more Square Enix. <laughs> Suffice it to say, something really cool happens um, when the piano kicks in at the end of the track. And um, we're not going to say what, but it was a really cool uh, ending to that that track and to that battle. So uh, you you hit on a lot of the things that I really wanted to say. Uh, and the, no, no that, that's that's hey, that happens in reverse a lot. So that is fine with me. I'm I'm fine with being the the you said everything i wanted to say damn it person <laughs> this time around but um yeah i think my favorite part is uh i mean the entire track is is great from start to finish there's that the, the the first half has just got that epic sound down pat and it's a long chunk of uh, of the track that sort of constitutes that um that sort of uh, uh the the first half of the fight where things are just you know you're you're whittling away at this giant fire demon and you're 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 not really making much of a dent in him and then the second half or the more like the the last third i guess of the track where things shift and you you get that thematic reference to uh the other astrals is where it's, things are turning around. You're 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 making your way. You're fighting him off. Uh, you know the bros are going to work. That kind of thing. It's a lot of uh, a lot of good energy to it, and the thematic connection in particular um, was really cool because yeah, this is it's it's a rendition of the same thing that plays when you fight uh, the other uh, the other astrals uh, in particular. But it's interesting because they all have variations of that theme. I mean, you know, Apocalypse is not this is what plays when you fight Titan, but then there's a version that plays when you fight Leviathan, and that's... Um, actually, there's two versions when you pl- fight Leviathan. Right. Um, there's Apocalypsis Aquarius, and then there's also um, Hydrian's, uh, Hydrian's Wrath, I believe. Yeah. Um, both of which reference that theme. And I like that between Apocalypse Noctis and Hydrian's Wrath and here in Hellfire, we have three distinct renditions of that theme it's not just the same track being played in the exact same way and hellfire in some respects is a very different rendition of that theme versus apocalypse noctis and hydrian's wrath but it's a really suitable epic sort of finisher for that theme that's been playing throughout the game and for it to be Playing while you're you're fighting Ifrit, while you're you're on your way to to you know finishing the game and six you know winning, beating the evil, whatnot. It was a really good uh, uh, good musical way, I think, to sort of conclude this little the story that's been going on throughout the game. Final Fantasy XV is, in so many ways, um, a band apart from uh, the rest of the series. And 
I mean, I think that's really, really highlighted by this piece that is so vastly different than what you'd expect from, you know, the boss music in a Final Fantasy <laughs> game. And, and I think it kind of constitutes and highlights how the series, and how 15 in particular, has kind of stepped away from its genre trappings to, I don't know, become its own master and play by its own rules. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it's hard to imagine this track playing with any of the previous yeah. Final Fantasy bosses, final bosses. Um, it's almost more even Dark though, Souls. yes, <laughs> mm. that's that's an interest, and you know, even not not just the music, but even the the encounter itself feels oh, more yeah. like Dark Souls than other Final Fantasy. I mean, obviously, it's an action combat, but still, sort of the the massiveness of this this astral and the hopelessness at least at the beginning of the fight i remember feeling like am i really even making a dent in this guy i feel like i'm just getting burned a lot so mm -hmm. and and like and this is one of the things where, like musically like so we've had we've had there have been latin choruses in final fantasy games like and like tracks like you know tracks like one winged angel even dancing mad had like a sort of like synth choir going on that was like meant to impart a sense of epicness so like it's not like this song is unprecedented in the series but this is like the almost the at the extreme like this is like an epic dark fantasy type hmm. type music like like something from dark souls like you had mentioned you know even in, in in the case of you know the final fight against sephiroth or kefka it's still you're on one side he's on the other side you've got a menu but here it's a very uh, tightly directed cinematic experience, both, um, it, well, you know, in, in triplicate, the visual di direction, uh, the gameplay, and the sound all together makes this, it, it really feels like you're playing out a high-stakes um, end-of-fantasy movie uh, battle um, more so than, well, more so than any other Final Fantasy title, definitely. Yeah, from a cinematic perspective in terms of gameplay uh 15 is in a lot of ways unmatched the spectacle of this boss fight and where it takes place which is probably fairly obvious but i'm not going to say where exactly because spoilers again but still if there's one thing that it's not really a problem with this track per se it's just an unfortunate reality of how the music and the game progresses this is not the final boss theme there is another boss theme after this and while that one is really good and i i, I adore that one too uh, again because of um its use of themes it blends two d distinct themes uh that are just an absolute perfect mix it's a little bit subdued compared to the at the you know the uh, the epicness of this track and again like it's not a problem with this track per se it's just kind of like this kind of feels like the actual final boss music. Like if you were listening through the game, not having played the, the game itself, but listening to the music, you might be, uh, you would be, uh, it would be understood if you thought that this is the final boss music and then the actual final boss is something else. So, hmm. but um, the final boss music, Magna Insomnia is also very good. And um, we didn't feature it, but, uh, I think con consciously or unconsciously that was because uh, to talk about that piece would have involved uh, 
character spoilers. Like, I don't know that how I'd be able to discuss it without discussing who you're fighting and and stuff like that. And so let's let let's avoid that can of worms. I so dearly want to talk about that character, but uh, I'm not I'm not that cruel. We're not we're not that uh, uh, spoiler insensitive. So we'll leave that be. I think too too soon. Regrettably. Yeah, yeah. But one day. One day. Well, uh, that does it for our first uh, our first episode, our first movement, as we usually title them, of our Music of the Year extravaganza. Uh, we will, of course, have two more episodes with guests and um, and host picks. So please look forward to that. Um, for I want to thank Peter and Robert, of course, for joining me today. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. always great to be here. Yeah, well, it makes it something special. Um, like I said, it's the best part about music of the year is really kind of sharing what you really liked. It's, it's one thing to just say, oh, this is everything I like, but it's nice to hear what everyone else brings to the table. So we've done a lot of that today. We'll have two more episodes of, of that as well. Um, as usual, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe uh, using whatever uh, program, app you use to listen to podcasts. Feel free to shoot us an email at music at rpgfan.com or chat with us on the boards. We love talking to our fans. And uh, in true tradition, music of the year, rhythm encounter, music of the year tradition, we're going to have a couple of outro tracks. Um, this year, we asked uh, listeners to send in music that they uh, they themselves uh, liked from the year. And we decided that we would have them sort of Uh, take the place of our usual surprise tracks at the end instead of uh, peppering them through. Um, So for this episode, we have a trio of tracks picked by one of our very uh, passionate fans, Retta. Uh, Retta picked Corridor of Reveries from Trails of Cold Steel 2, New World Order from Grand Blue Fantasy, and The End of the Road Should Be Here from Fire Emblem Fates. So please enjoy listening to that as we conclude our first episode. Uh, music of the year that is our first music of the year 2016 episode not yeah we're not going back in time yet maybe one day groundhog day loop (laughs) but as usual thank you all for listening check back for future episodes more music of the year goodness and keep on being awesome and listening to awesome music
but the vocals don't go into that sort of heavy rock or punk uh, territory that you might expect. Like he's not he's not screaming or scratching right. his voice. He's not. Arr, arr, arr. 